0: Millennial Falcon, a pop culture podcast by three geeky millennials. I'm Willoughby Dobbs, a filmmaker in the D.C. area, and with me, as always, are my two co-hosts.
1: I'm Huai Chen a writer for Slash Film and a pop culture journalist in New York.
2: And I am Anya Crittenden, a writer at Gay Star News. All right, guys, it's the end of the first month, of 2019. Just felt like it's been a very long month. I don't know if that's just me. But yes,
0: 90,000 oh. have happened.
2: Yes, It's only January? Um, but that There's means...
1: still 11 more months left in the year. I know. <laughs> it's going to be so... January
2: for another five days. <laughs> oh, God. Well, uh, to help pass by the time of the remainder of January, we are bringing to you our Millennial Monthly Movie Review. And this month, we are actually reviewing two movies about the dangers of white people, colonialism, fraud... And people who pay a lot of money for music festivals. <laughs> um, we are going to be reviewing both uh, the Hulu and Netflix documentaries, Fire and Fire Fra- Fraud. But before we get dive into them, we have a word from our sponsors.
0: The Millennial Falcon is brought to you by colonialism. It's real bad, folks. It really fucked our world up.
2: All right. Um, so on that note, let's dive into these movies um, and just talk about general first impressions. Um, Netflix and Hulu released these documentaries in the very same week. Um, so a lot of people were able to kind of watch them both, uh, which is what I did. I watched the Hulu one and then the Netflix one back to back. And I found that for me was the best way to watch them. Cause I felt like they really together painted kind of a fuller picture because they came at it from two totally different angles. Whereas like Hulu was the kind of psychological fraud angle. Netflix discuss sort of the emotional human cost of Billy McFarland's crimes and so I felt like it was interesting to go from like understanding him and what he did and why and then how that hurt people mm-hmm. so I actually liked them together um and I wasn't kind of watching them to be like which one's better what about you guys
1: yeah I think that they the two of them definitely complement each other because not only do they tell different sides of the story they're both Equally ethically pro- compromised, yeah. <laughs> the Hulu uh, film, which is called Fire Fraud, does approach it approach the whole bonanza as like a fraud first and foremost. But it does pay Billy McFarland for an interview, which does sort of lend an extra um, level of sort of like credibility to it. But at the same time, Billy McFarland doesn't really like say anything except he
0: doesn't he doesn't own up to his actions no. but also that is sort of like the point. you can just see that he's a sociopath he yeah, doesn't realize he's, he's like, done anything wrong
1: yeah he's just he's like his silence, his silence sports again sports. yeah and like yeah it uh, while the billy mcfarlane angle does like have have the draw it does kind of chip away at the at fire frauds like whole sort of better than thou um attitude that it has towards the netflix uh, documentary fire which uh was produced by fuck jerry which is a company i don't b- i don't believe exists despite having because it has a <laughs> what name what company has a name like well, Fuck Jerry? i believe their
0: real their real company is jerry media mm-hmm. but their instagram page which steals memes and shit it and is like a super influencer is uh um called fuck jerry
1: yes and they yeah. were the social promotion Arm of Fire Festival, and were as you could see in the Hulu documentary, had a large part and definitely knew of everything that was going down. And you could see, like in the Netflix documentary, they're kind of trying to absolve themselves of any connections to to Billy McFarland. We're like, we are
0: the victims too, right? Um, <laughs> well, what it looks like is that they were ready to create a documentary about the success of the first ever Fire Festival for the app Fire. And you know, because they, they had all this footage about the make, like them going down to the Bahamas beforehand with ja Rule and Billy, and all this like clear like footage that Hulu, that the Hulu documentary doesn't have. Hulu basically just has the doc, the footage from the events of the cat catastrophic event, as well as the uh, like they like they like ripped the the marketing video that that Jerry Media produced. But in the Netflix one, it's got like all this footage that is clear to me that if Fire Festival was a success, there was going to be a documentary from Jerry Media about the success of yeah. Fire Festival. Yeah. So, what they did was they turned it around and created this like all hell broke loose documentary.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, both Netflix and Hulu uh, had the involvement of people who were involved with Fire um, and. Involved them in slightly unethical ways. Do we know how much Hulu paid Billy McFarland?
0: About, I know the, the number 25 is in there. I don't know if it's 25000 or 250000 but it's like a, a, a couple That's zeros.
2: A, okay, um, which is definitely problematic. That being said, I will say... During the talking head interview of the Hulu one with William McFarland, the fact that the like producer or whoever was interviewing him would just like drag him to his face and he yeah. would just like have to sit there and take it. Yes. Was there was some satisfaction to that for me. There was I some... did like seeing him like struggle under the pressure of knowing that people have rightly uh seen through him as the sociopath. That he is.
0: I mean, so has the court. He's going to prison for six months, for six years. Spoiler alert. Mm
2: -hmm. He sure is. Um, The
0: The funny, the other thing really funny is that in both, both documentaries, two people, like one from each documentary at the end, get a call from Billy and both say, yeah, I'm in, I'm doing the interview for the documentary right now. oh right that's
2: true because the hulu one it's his girlfriend and the netflix one it's the guy in the bahamas
0: so it's really interesting that there's like uh he's like still in contact with these people
2: and they still like him too yeah when he gets out of prison he is absolutely going to commit another fraud like he Mm. is absolutely going to learn he was trying to commit
1: another fraud while he was being investigated for for fire festival
2: that footage in the netflix okay so for everyone's knowledge so after fire festival happened uh, Billy McFarlane was charged with wire fraud by the FBI. Crimes yeah, um, with fire fraud. <laughs> he uh, got out on bail. While he was out on bail, he started a new fraudulent business where he would sell tickets to people to events like the Met Gala or the Grammys, of which but you Met cannot Gala buy tickets for. The Met Gala you, Gala you can't buy tickets for. Like Anna Wintour has to invite you to the Met yeah, Gala. Yeah, That is the only, only. way you get to the Met Gala. <laughs> okay. um, and he filmed himself in his expensive New York City penthouse conducting this fraudulent business. He had like a selfie stick and was filming himself and all his friends doing this. Sir.
0: And then he was arrested again. It's real funny.
2: Honestly, like, talk about like This hey, is when you he know was
1: out wild? on bail too, wasn't it? He's our age.
2: Yeah. Yeah, he's he's our he's a millennial. He and that's one of the elements I like of the Hulu one is that they get they try and sort of dissect um millennial influencer social media culture. Mm-hmm. Because Fire Festival never would have a, probably happened or B, t- uh, like, have it would never have taken off the way it did if it weren't for social media and if it weren't for influencers.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and the fact that, like, celebrities said to be involved, um, was it Kylie Jenner? Kendall? Kendall Jenner. I she's think a it's Kendall model. Jenner. Mm-hmm. Maybe both. Who yeah. Not, Ki- not Kylie
1: because it's only it was only supermodels and Kylie is, is, like, an influencer but she's not a supermodel.
2: Okay. Kendall posted about fire festival seemingly having like no idea what it was she wasn't going to attend it she just sort of
1: she got paid to post about it
2: yeah um and so she also got accused of fraud um a lot of the influencers and supermodels who posted about it did and so i like that the hulu documentary sort of kind of tried to get into the machinations of influencer culture um, yeah. that is definitely very prevalent and it's in our society right now. Yeah. I think that
1: both of them kind of did try to unpack or at least touch on a little bit how millennial culture has revolved so much around influencer um, influencers and how mm-hmm. influencers are really a, an industry that should be regulated. And yet I feel like both of them don't really dig as deep as they could into why this has become such a powerful like commodity
0: the hulu one tries to like psychoanalyze millennials in a way that is a little bit generalizing yeah and um, they, they try to focus at, it,
1: at points where it's like this is definitely yeah, like a subset of just like many it's millennials like, and mostly white millennials. millennial
2: culture i feel like, and, i felt a little condescended too yeah
0: yeah. Um whereas the Netflix one didn't really focus much on talking about millennials as a as like a genre but like they did talk about the um influencers. Yeah. There and was would...
1: um, one in, there was one interviewee in the Netflix one. I think she was a journalist. Um she's an Asian journalist. I can't, I can't remember her name, but she was speaking very smartly about how millennials want that um experience and they want or they want to like have some semblance of that experience and that's why influencers have been able to monetize that and uh so that was one i think it was like only really one person who was talking about the netflix one but yeah hulu did try to tackle it from a much more like almost academic way
0: there was like there's that classic like montage of like these folks are millennials from the ages of 35 oh yeah (laughs) it's like okay come on um yeah they uh yeah so okay so what did you guys think about the fact that the uh, netflix one focused more about like the turmoil that was happening on the ground versus the hulu one that was sort of like a ticking time bomb from like the experience of talking about about billy's life growing up knowing that this is going to co- like come to fruition in the fire festival like what did you guys like let's review the moot the moot the films themselves for a little bit like what did you did you guys think that they were well edited, well done? What are your experiences with these documentaries?
2: Um, I think that the Netflix one was better made, um, by far. Um, as much as I appreciated the Hulu one having like bits of like Parks and Rec in The Office in there, like I laughed real hard when that woman compared Billy McFarlane's like first business to that like black credit card to Entertainment Seven Twenty. Yeah, because <laughs> I was like amazing also so true but netflix to me was the better made one and netflix to me um had the bigger impact on me i remember moments from the netflix film far more vividly than i remember moments from the hulu film um and i think that's just because um as a high-key sensitive emotional aries i am inclined to like gravitate towards the human stories and so like the netflix one showing the employees who got kind of screwed over like the employees who are now under investigation because billy mcfarland used their credit cards for fraud um that bahamian woman who ran the restaurant who had to take out like money from her savings account like fifty thousand dollars yeah Mm -hmm. um who um i will say there is now a gofundme set up for her and it has, like, far exceeded its goal. And GoFundMe, has really to a statement saying, like, they're going to make sure the money gets to her and the right people. And that the Bahamians who worked on this festival, you know, will get compensated. Um, but, like, there was never a more emotional moment in either documentary than that woman talking yeah. about yeah. her personal sacrifice. And then you add the layer of, like, oh, colonialism. Yeah. <laughs> and a white man coming in and saying I'm going to take this land for myself and do this thing and I'm going to use free labor from black people so white kids can come and... Get really rip roaring drunk and act like assholes.
0: With the free promise that this is going to like enhance the economy of the Bahamas, which but it, isn't that what it,
2: all colonials say?
0: That's what <laughs> I mean. There is yeah. That's always inherently, but like he like specifically states that this was like supposed to help the economy, which everyone knew that was not going to happen.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah. And so I think the Netflix one for me, like yeah, Billy McFarland's going to jail. He's fraud. He's a sociopath. Like yes, but like. I don't think there's a better examination of fire Festival and its consequences than looking at the people of the Bahamas and how it ruined their lives. Yeah. So, yeah. Those are my thoughts on, like, the Netflix one.
1: I agree with you, Anya. Um, well, I th- I watched the Hulu one first and then the Netflix one. And I think Hulu did give a better overall picture of, like, why this went down and how it became possible. and um, But at the same time, it did kind of throw me off a little bit how but how patronizing it was in some sense to, like, our entire generation. Yeah. But – and while I came into the Netflix one a little bit more skeptical about its um, intentions, it was the one that ended up being more hard-hitting for me because of those, like, personal stories. And, um, well, it didn't quite get into the nitty-gritty of, like, of millennial culture and, and like indicting that influencer culture at, at the same time, it did like have that really like, affecting story of um, the Bahamian woman and like all the laborers who, um, even in the de- in the documentary itself, were being like vilified in some senses too by some of the Fuck Jerry people because like one of one Fuck Jerry guy was just like after it all went to shit, like they were targeting us. I'm like, this sounds like a lie. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah and, and um think, and like the store. yeah go ahead oh yeah and i think also what i wanted going into these uh documentaries was a little bit of that schadenfreude that i felt when it all went down on um on twitter and um The Netflix one definitely gave me some more of that as well because the Hulu one was just like a little bit more like academic in a way despite being a little kind of more amateurish but the Netflix one had some like interviews with um, some of the people there who were trying to paint themselves as, as victims but ended up being more like awful and pretentious and at one point there's okay um there was that one asian guy who was who came off the worst off because he was talking about how he um and his friends didn't want like neighbors in the tents oh, yeah. surrounding them so they like yeah. pissed on the mattresses and like cut holes in the tents and he seemed really proud of himself and i was just like wow oh this yeah is fucking awful dude
0: influencers are the worst
1: yeah so it was like so having some of the having those like interviews and then having like the the local like bahamian like laborers definitely i think put netflix a little step above despite all the fuck jerry people being awful in that documentary except, yeah. for, except for the one guy who was willing to like give a blow job so that they could go through customs that was ridiculous okay, it was a andy- heart-wrenching
0: and hilarious story that i was like oh my god i can't believe this is real
2: yeah yeah so so the story of andy king is the- um, uh, according to him, so it's 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 allegedly, um, we should say, um, they ordered like tons and tons of uh, like packages of Eddie on water, and customs wouldn't let them have it until they got paid. Which you know, it, yeah, that's mm-hmm. how like customs, customs works. And, like works. Um, and so Billy McFarland told allegedly told Andy King, the event producer for Fire Festival, that as uh, the gay man on the team. That he should go down um, and uh, give a blowjob to like the customs, but he guy. specifically said take one for the team. Yeah, like that quote. Yeah, um, and again, we cannot say that for certain that this is fact, but um, hilarious in a way, but also horrifying. Horrifying um, the the sexual exploitation of a gay man. Um, and, and, uh, Billy McFarlane's impression of gay men, that they're, like, that this is how they are, Mm -hmm. and that they are, like, sexual deviants in a way, um, story kind of really stuck with me because, um, of just the, uh, the inhumane way Billy McFarlane, like, looked at, clearly saw gay people. Mm -hmm. Um and Andy King said that he was willing to do it he was going to go down and do it and luckily the customs guy said you don't have to just make sure I get paid first um, and i mean uh, thank god he didn't have to because, Yeah. because
0: um yeah, it's, it's terrifying it's like what billy McFarlane's is the worst
2: <laughs> oh my god like that that would have amounted to sexual ex- abuse like, manipulation essentially yeah um <laughs> So, like, horrifying. And just like, every story you hear about Billy McFarland, it just gets more and more um, awful. I remember there was the one guy who worked at Fire, I believe, and he was talking about how, like, days before the festival was supposed to happen, he sent an email to, like, Billy and everyone doing it and being like, You guys are going to get people here, and, like, there aren't going to be any beds. Like, there aren't going to be, like, he warned them. He was like, This is a disaster. Like, get out in front of it now. Like, tell people what's going on um, instead of having them show up and find out, which is what happened. Mm -hmm. And they emailed him back and they were like, don't worry, like, you're going to be teaching them yoga. Oh, yeah. And I was like, wow.
0: Did you guys realize? Go ahead.
2: I was going to ask, do you guys have sympathy for the employees of FIRE, for the people working with Billy McFarland on... The festival
0: uh it's hard because i feel like they might have been roped into it because they, if they were working like on the app which by the way did, did you guys realize that this was gonna be this was all for an app to book celebrity talent
1: not until no. i watched the documentary me
0: neither yeah that was never a part of the conversation it was always because i think this is the weird thing about fire festival is that yeah there were all these influencers who were Promoting the at the the festival like, pre like before the actual festival, but like I didn't hear about it until the weekend it happened.
1: Yeah, it's obviously yeah. A, <laughs> like a world and the culture that we are just not privy it's to. It's a whole
0: other world, and like that's why I was mad about fire fraud for like, kind of like generalizing mil- millennials because it's like clearly not all millennials even knew about Fire Festival mm-hmm. until it happened until yeah. it went to shit. I absolutely did not. I didn't either. Um, yeah. But back to your original question which was, oh, sympathy for the employees. I have sympathy for the people who are probably, like, on the lower rung because they probably can't quit and get, like, a new job. So, like, whatever they were stuck with. But also, but then for, the, like, the higher people who are, like, close to Billy McFarland, like, the fact that they were, they, it didn't seem like they were doing their best to halt product, you know, this whole thing. Like, it seemed as though a lot of these people folks actually believed in his dream of doing like a music festival and it's clear that they were all like short-sighted about this entire thing because yeah. it's because you can put on a fi- you can put on a music festival but it takes time. Coachella 2020 is already being like it's already started, you know. They've already started preparing for Coachella 2020. The fact that they were going to do this in April of 2017 and start in like fall of twenty sixteen is just
2: insane. Do you be- remember in the Netflix documentary the where they had the recorded phone conversation between Billy McFarlane and an employee, um, or Billy McFarlane essentially telling them to fire themselves and the employee is like, Oh, so like do that and so we won't get any severance and he was just kind of like, I, I don't know about like employee benefits or yeah. anything like that. Because mm. well, um, they were like we
0: can't pay you anymore so you're gonna it's like basically they were in a shutdown.
2: Yeah. And it's those, like, those little, like, human moments where, like, you realize just how much Billy McFarlane is, like, incapable of having any sort of empathy. Yeah. And I think that's one of the scariest elements.
1: He is so in the, a his world bear. of privilege and his bubble of privilege that he just doesn't understand and has no empathy for other people.
2: Yeah. He needs
0: to be visited by three ghosts on Christmas.
2: <laughs> I don't even know don't, if that'll it, help him cuz he's just I don't, even know, I don't I don't I don't even want him to get redeemed. Like Scrooge is one thing. Like that little Victorian man became delightful afterwards, but like <laughs> Billy McFarland doesn't deserve redemption in my opinion. There, he can there you rot for all I care. Judgment,
0: judgment's been wrought on <laughs> Billy McFarland. Yeah. Yeah. I um, yeah, No, I agree. I I think he's a terrible person and he uh, ruined so many people's lives um, both in the Bahamas and in America because there's probably people who were like working a job and then they were like what the fuck man Mm
2: -hmm. yeah but it it was interesting listening to the employees try and be like I tried to warn them or like blah 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 and watching it I just couldn't help but be like did you do all that you can do yeah and like at one point could you have just said this is unethical and walk away or do you have a moral responsibility to stay and try and make sure it doesn't become the disaster that it is because there was that one employee right who like set up that like um anonymous twitter account of fire fraud yeah basically being like this whole thing is a fraud and like did we ever find out who that was
1: yeah yeah he um yeah, he was both documentaries. yeah, he was in both oh, documentaries, okay. yeah. and That's he totally I think he wasn't an employee, but he was like a contractor or something with them. yeah, yes, okay, yes, now I remember mm-hmm.
0: yeah. um and, and then he there was like, this sounds shady copy. as hell. yeah, yeah. He, like, he like found a chartered plane and like took photos from above.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah,
0: how terrible like the land is and the fact that the the family of Pablo Escobar told them to stop advertising. Fire Festival as like an island owned by Pablo Escobar. Which I don't understand well how like that's a
1: draw. A lo- that's just that's just so no. Ugh. That is not a draw. Yeah,
0: no. Especially when you kids when you like you know when you take one thought about Pablo Escobar, the back the fact that he like killed so many people, mm-hmm. and like is a drug you know cartel you know like that's. Oh, Billy McFarland is the worst. I feel like there's a combination of people who th- believed his lies.
1: Yeah, that I'm they sh-
0: could do, that they could pull off a festival like this. I'm sure, like
1: and, in and the most moment... there's people
0: who were like as, as probably as cynical as him. Like this Grant fellow, like the guy, the the other oh, guy in fi- Fire and Magnesium. the worst. Yeah, he was also opposite. the
1: worst.
0: He was not interviewed in either documentary, and probably for good reason because he didn't want to put his name on this shit. Mm-hmm. Like Billy is not. There's three people involved with Fire Festival that should be indicted up on fraud charges, and only one of them was. There's Ja Rule and this Grant guy.
1: Yeah. Jawrul's tweet afterwards was hilarious. I also (laughs) was fooled and
2: whatever. I was. But do you remember? Was it the Hulu or the Netflix documentary where they showed a clip of him on an interview and he was talking about how, like, it it was his idea? Oh, yeah. I think it was like the Netflix one. He was like, Fire Festival was my idea, man. Yeah. And he was, like, kept going on about it. And I was like,
1: and the Netflix one, too, what? showed that uh, conference call that they had after Fire Festival went to shit mm-hmm. and Job ja Rule was like on a Skype call with, that, with them and they're like, we shouldn't go through with like, you know, the app and everything. And he's like, no, this is just, you know, a blip. We, this is a- um, He wanted this, them to keep going. Yeah, and he wanted them to keep going. And someone was like, no, this is not a blip. This is fraud. And he's like, that's not fraud. I know fraud. Yeah. Oh
2: my God. That moment where he's like, that's not fraud. <laughs>
0: That app is still around, like in the documentary. Like it's still, it's not called Fire. It's called Icon. Oh my Like,
2: mm-hmm, like they it, kept yeah.
0: going. Ja They're rules trying to part like, of rebrand it. it. Um, that's that's the thing about capitalism and colonialism. It always just gets rebranded.
2: Mm. It really does. Like I mean, yeah, colonialism is, like still exists today. We just don't necessarily use the term colonialism. We now use like gentrification. Gentrification.
1: Yup. Yup.
2: Um uh, <laughs> the area of LA that I live in is like currently being like super gentrified and I'm just like this is this is awkward yep. and terrible um I in
0: Washington D.C. a lot of New, and York. New York
2: a lot of and New and, York like, any we, major city we
0: we all live in very gentrified places yeah. um.
2: um and so I don't know. I just, like, I remember watching it and the employees trying to, like, also paint themselves as victims. And I found that my sympathies for them could only be extended so far. Mm-hmm. Um, In that, like, I'm sure in many ways some of them were, like, manipulated by Billy McFarland as well. Like, the guys who are now being investigated because their credit cards were used and stuff. But, like, you were there the whole time and you could have done more, I think. Like, I feel like the only true victims in this whole scenario are the people of the Bahamas. Yeah. I agree with it's that. It's hard for me to have sympathy for anyone else involved, really.
0: Including the influencers.
2: Oh. <laughs> Absolutely.
1: Yeah, because they completely skated by without any sort oh, of yeah. punishment in any sense.
0: My favorite part of both videos, both documentaries, I should say, is that they use the same video twice. Um, the one where they're like in the school bus, coming up on the on the like the the little hill that takes you to the actual festival, and they're just like so excited for fire festival, right? they're like,, Woo-hoo, we're gonna make it. it's gonna be this is the height of luxury. And then they go over the they get over the hump and they just like all their jaws just drop and like screaming and crying at their the fact that there's these just like refugee tents or, like, FEMA FEMA tents or something, whatever they are. Mm. And they're just,
2: like, so sad. I'm like, haha, rich people. <laughs> they're the worst. <laughs> That's what we it's, wanted. Yeah, I mean, it's, like, both the documentaries also used the footage of them in the airport. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When they were, like, kept there overnight. And I yeah, was they, like, oh. They didn't
0: charter any planes out.
2: No. I was like, oh, so you poor rich kids who spent tens of thousands of dollars, in some cases hundreds of thousands of dollars, to go to this festival, you have to live one single night, a little uncomfortable, a little not in luxury, and you expect me to have any sympathy for you? Absolutely not. And the other thing is.
0: For 12 hours, they had to be Tom Hanks in the terminal.
2: Yeah. And, and... also, I'm kind of like the influencers did this to themselves because I remember one of them talking about how, like, they started to get a little suspicious because, like, the fire festival, like Instagram account, would only use like the same few images and like the same one video, and there were never any updates on. And they were like, blocking people who were saying, who were asking questions, asking questions, yeah. and so I was like, um, hey guys, maybe if you guys used a little common sense, you might have realized that this wasn't quite all up to up to speed, and maybe you just shouldn't have gone the the whole persons. cashless
1: thing, too. It just, oh yeah, it, it they're just like, feels so much you like you like need a to put at least a thousand dollars on your
2: wristband for you to have any fun tonight. It's like, whoa, dude! Oh my god. So I'm I I, I don't feel bad for them because like I don't feel bad for like rich primarily like white kids, period. But I really don't feel bad for them because like they were kind of just idiots who did this to themselves. They did. I, <laughs> yeah, sorry. They kinda, like. like
0: they, they they scurried at the chance to uh, you know, live the height of luxury and they did not get
2: history of the first ever fire festival. Yeah.
0: Um and that whole like social media thing where they're like, we're all gonna post an orange, you know, Instagram at the same time to like generate like Buzz. fervor about it. Yeah. It's like, come on, just like you, do you guys realize how terrible you look?
1: I didn't even see that. Like, when No, I didn't either. Cause had we had that campaign. We are
0: sensible millennials who don't follow influencer culture. And we're like, I honestly, I didn't know about it until the weekend it happened. Like suddenly, like there were like that, the tweet about the sandwich went viral. And that's like the first time I saw yep, it.
2: Yep, the sandwich. The sandwich. That's the first time the I sandwich, sandwich, shot sandwich shot that took down a
1: festival. Yeah.
2: Yeah, it's, um, it's definitely something. It's hard to also think that this was... Almost two years ago now. Yep. Oh my god, yeah. In
0: April, it'll be two years. Yeah. Uh, which means two years ago, they were planning for a festival for for only, like... the I think they only took, like, half a year to do it. But, like, it that's not enough.
2: Hmm. Yeah. And, I mean, it also, like, it goes to show, like... You know, you look at the prices of something like Coachella as well. Which are absurdly high. And the idea of these kind of events... Um, that are extremely privileged and inaccessible, um, and the way they brand themselves as, um, being exclusive. It's kind of like the Tom Haverford, like... It's exclusive for the sake of being exclusive. That's yeah. That's the
1: only draw of it, and the only and
0: experience...
1: Yeah. It's like it's having like it's...
0: a VIP party so VIP that uh, Tom Haverford and John Raphael can't even get in.
1: It's – actually, I have a good anecdote about this. So um, oh, I sure. have a group of uh, friends from high school who I will say are Asians who like to go clubbing and have very like expensive sort of nights out. And uh, I went out with them once and went to like this club where they wanted to get a table you know, with bottle service and everything. And mm-hmm. I was like, it was like, yeah. oh, I don't know, a hundred bucks or like 200 bucks for a table. And I was like, why don't we just, you know, get drinks at a bar and dance? And we were like standing at the bar and I'm like, this is great. And they're like, let's get a table. And so we we got a table and we were just standing around the table with our drinks. I'm like, how is this any different than what we were, you were just like doing like 10 like minutes ago? a VIP
0: velvet rope or something?
1: It's like an elevated, it's like on a little elevated stage. But like, that's it. You're on our oh table. Gosh. And like we weren't even sitting at the table; we we're just standing around this table. And I was like, "What is the difference between this and like what we were where we were like twenty feet away?" It's location, location, location. Exactly. So that's yeah. definitely something that I think like pertains to this it's, overall it's, experience.
2: Yeah, and it's like our 21st century version of like the aristocracy mm-hmm. um, and things like that. And you know, I I think the examination of wealth in this country. Um, is interesting when you look at events like these, and influencer culture. And you know, I think I think perhaps a future document, a better documentary, could have a uh, more su- more succinct and smartly put sort of indictment of uh, the wealth disparity in this country, as seen through the eyes of influencers because I think that's actually really interesting and kind of scary. The way that has sort of manifested mm-hmm. in American society of the influencers and of this sort of like luxury exclusive world. Um, I think it's made um, salient what before
1: was sort of unspoken. You know, the influencer yes. culture. It's like what before was unspoken is now a commodity. It's now an entire industry.
0: Because before, before social media traditional advertising with celebrities was never really... I mean, it was always kind of like a gimmick where you have like, um, you know, any... Like uh, Samuel L. Jackson in the Capital One commercials or like Jennifer Garner in those same commercials. You have these celebrity spokespeople who are like, it's a clear ad that you're watching in between segments of a TV show, most likely, and you're understanding that this is an advertisement. Nowadays, you have these folks on instagram talking about their life water or whatever the fuck and you're not sure if it's an ad or not or if they're just like really excited about this water I mean, it's clear that it's gonna be it's it's an ad because it's a celebrity and they're talking about a specific brand. And nowadays, like a lot of celebrities have to like make it clear that they're talking that they're yeah, they doing have, to an have ad. like a little
1: sponsored hashtag. Yeah, and actually, it's a- like
0: hashtag ad. The thing or is, something. like
1: people know that these are sponsored ads. Like they're they're smart. They they have media literacy. They uh, they can tell immediately. But and it's almost I actually read an article recently about how it's almost become like a badge of honor to have sponsored ads now. Like people who aspire to be influencers, they will fake having sponsored ads because that shows that they have
2: like that clout now.
1: Weird. But I
2: mean, if they fake having sponsored ads, they can easily get dinged by the company they yeah. are saying is sponsoring them. And they're
0: also not making any money.
1: Yeah, but that's they
2: just do it for the
1: social standing. It's <laughs> becomes so social standing now.
2: But I mean, think about it, like that is something that has existed for centuries mm-hmm. oh, yeah. in the just, like, the world of, like, humanity. Like, you think about, like, you know, Victorian society or, like, Renaissance, you think of people who, like, how they showed their social standing, whether it was, like, the clothes they wore or the dinner parties they attended. And, you know, that has not changed this idea um, in our society of, you know, lifting yourself up and, you know proclaiming yourself to be living this like climbing that social ladder yeah and i guess the thing they talk about this i think of the hulu documentary the ins of on instagram like on instagram like it's not about showing like the life you're really living it's about showing it's about this idea of presenting a fictionalized version of your life that is grandeur and you know wonderful and luxurious Mm
0: -hmm. it's a lot more terrifying than like a 30 second ad on television
2: yeah. yeah and you know it's you know maybe it's just the idealist in me um the optimist in me that kind of person but like hearing all the like numbers in these documentaries the the money numbers and thinking about how that money could be used elsewhere is so sad and awful
0: that's capitalism
2: Yep. Sure is. But speaking of capitalism,
1: in influencers really need to be regulated, and I think the Fire Festival shows that more than anything.
2: Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I think there I think there definitely could be a, a change coming to this sort of like cultural phenomenon of influencers and these kind of things. Um and I don't know how we'd regulate it necessarily, but I think maybe they have to put like
0: caps on advertising, like limits in terms of like companies set like paying the celebrities. That has to has to be like a cap,
1: because
0: maybe it'll deter them from doing. it. I don't know,
1: like campaign donations.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, we can't we we y'all can't be Citizens United over here.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Very accurate, um. But yeah, I wonder if they're gonna start having like you know discussions like we have on campaign donations, but like advertisements and stuff. Mm -hmm. I mean there
0: that is a thing, but it's not on social media.
2: Exactly. Mm -hmm.
0: Like that's the thing about the internet is that it's this wild west of uh no there's like rules. It's a wild west of a free market. Exactly. There's no rules but then there are rules, but the rules are so weak that they're they could be loosely bent in terms of things and like yeah it's just it's a it's a bad bake.
2: And I think we're gonna I think we're going to see some changes and I think we're going to see people uh, figuring out ways to regulate the internet and social now,
0: media. And I think that segues into our next conversation, the 2016 election. <laughs> I <laughs> was like, I'm not ready
2: for this. <laughs> I can't do this right now. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think um, these documentaries as entertaining, as they were, I think they, Um, They have some flaws, but I think they also pose some interesting questions that I don't think they answered. No. No. Um, Like, definitely not. But I think questions that are interesting to think about afterwards and kind of where we go from here and how we um, regulate this and treat this and examine the wealth disparity in this country and the ways that that comes about.
1: Basically, these documentaries spark greater discussion than they ever actually dive into. But yes, that's what the benefit. That's what. That's what great. That's what's great about like movies. You know, documentaries in general.
2: Yeah, I, you know, and I'm think they're not like they're not good documentaries. That necess- You know, the best documentaries are the ones that actually post the questions and then try and examine them mm-hmm. um, themselves. And these documentaries do not do that. But they were entertaining. And they have sparked the examination between us and the discussion we've had. Yes. Yeah, they
0: are. They're the spark that will light the fire that will burn (laughs) all of capitalism down.
1: Well, um, (laughs) that's a great way. I think that's a great way to end our discussion about uh, the two fire festival documentaries, fire and fire fraud. Um, Speaking of fire, we have a word from our sponsors before we head into the last segment of our episode.
0: The Millennial Falcon is brought to you by the National Parks Association. Only you can prevent fire festivals.
1: All right. And with that, let's go to the last segment of our episode. I really, 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 really like you. But I need to tell you something. I really, 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 really,
0: really like you. And I don't want you
1: to... Wilby, why don't you start us off this week? What do you really like?
0: So I have so many really likes that it's really hard to take them down to 2 so, to 1 even. So I'm going to briefly talk about one and then talk about another one. Um I'm breaking a rule. I know. I know it's, it's the fine. worst. Uh um, rebel sometimes. So uh this past week I've been binging on two star related things. Um one of them is Stardew Valley, which is a video game about uh getting away from it all and starting a farm um i don't have you, either of you heard of stardew valley i've no. heard of
1: it because of you
0: okay <laughs> so it's this really quaint little game in which it's like a 16 bit like you know video game that looks real real like from 1995 but it's so good because you 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 basically like build a farm and that's it and you can mine and you, it's like uh um harvest moon um but it's for i think you can buy it for all the major consoles i have it on the switch you you can go into town it's like a mixture between harvest moon and animal crossing um and it's very low-key and very good uh very like pure and wholesome as well as like a great way to like not look at your phone for a while because like last week after we recorded i downloaded the game and i spent like six hours on it and i hadn't looked at twitter it was great um and it keeps you focused on, like, tasks at hand um, and all that. And I really, really like it. It's a great way to, like, chill and not worry about anything. Like, you know, kind of turn your brain off. The other th- star-related thing is Star Trek Discovery.
2: Yes!
0: Um, I so watched the first three episodes when it premiered last 2017, actually. Um, But then I fell off of it because, like, I just got not bored or I got too busy and like, it wasn't like on my priority list and then I moved and I didn't have cable anymore. And like, it just sort of became this whole thing. Um So I'm, but I'm back on my bullshit now. And yeah. I re I, I binged the entire first season and then caught up with the, the latest two episodes of season two. And I really like it. It's a great show. Uh, it has some great characters. Um It does a, a, a unique different thing with star Trek before, like even more, Uh, distinct than the J.J. Abrams one because that's all about those are movies and you have to help contain stories but like Star Trek I think is best on TV as a as an episodic thing um and the the first season was a lot more serialized than uh, the traditional Star Trek shows like there was this ongoing plot of the Klingon war and that was real great um I will say the most recent Star Trek episode I watched, which is the most recent one on that you can watch right now, I, I won't spoil it, but I will say that it's like the closest they've gotten to a traditional Trek episode because um, there's like an away mission and then there's a, a thing happen, happening on the the Discovery at the same time. So it's like this cla- a classic Trek structure, um, which it's is why wonderful. I really like Star Trek Beyond because it had that whole yeah. thing too. Um, I think, I think,
2: um, I think you'll agree with me, Willoughby, in that like Star Trek Discovery is so great because it, it it feels different and new, while still kind of retaining the spirit of Gene Roddenberry's original Star Trek. Yeah, it's
0: a wagon to the stars. Yeah, um, and they do a really good job of like highlighting these characters that are. I I told Anya this last night that the show is gritty without gritty characters. It's like a realistic version of you know it's like the filmmaking is not it doesn't look like you're on a sound stage but the characters are not like gritty they are like very much in the positive in the light they are everything we aspire to be in terms of like humanity and stuff and like all that jazz but at the same time there is this dark underpinning of like a war and how that tests these characters in ways that like, Star Trek, the original series, sort of was always just about discovering new worlds and new civilizations, whereas I think Star Trek Discovery is boldly going where no Star Trek has gone before. So I'm very interested to see where they take this. Um, and also Spock is
2: in the new season, which is great. And Hot also Christopher
0: Pike is a big character. Um, um,
2: can we talk about Spock's beard? Because We haven't seen him Ooh. yet,
0: Anya. We can't talk about it yet.
2: Okay, but like um, he's in the previews for the rest of the season, so we have seen him. and. Okay. Oh boy, yeah, he's got a beard. beard. It's um, um, it's Gregory Peck's uh, grandson who's playing him. Oh really? shit,
0: that's why. That's why he has the the deep voice of an actual Leonard Nimoy Yeah, is it,
2: is it Ethan Peck? Yeah, I, yeah, I think that's who he is. His name is um, Ethan
0: Peck, and they have voiceover Spock, and I'm it, like,
1: oh, that sounds
2: Spock. like Leonard Nimoy. <laughs> Anya's fanning herself right now.
1: Um, they also it's, have...
2: like, I'm 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 a Bones girl. Bones is my favorite, always has been, always will be. Um, but would you like to bone oh. Bones? oh Oh, absolutely yes there's not Um, even a question about that yep (laughs) we'll be like i cannot believe my really like has been taken over in this way i am offended
0: (laughs) no that's okay um (laughs) hot spock is always a good spock um hot pike so um yeah so i like stardew valley and star trek discovery
1: nice I love this. All right, Anya, uh, why don't you tell us what your really like is this week?
2: All right. I have a couple fun facts for you guys. Okay.
1: I was about to say, you guys can't both have two really likes. <laughs> no, 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 no. I have fun facts. Okay, one okay. I really
2: like. Um, fact number one, I really love Saturday Night Live. I don't know if you guys knew this, but I am a huge SNL fan. Like, I don't watch clips that go viral on YouTube. I don't tune in when it's just someone I like hosting. It is appointment television for me. I watch every week, without fail, from start to finish. I'm no sorry, who had to hosting. watch through so much shit. Um, SNL's great, be quiet. Um, so, that's my first fun fact, is I love SNL. Like, I am an SNL enthusiast and um, apologist. Um, second fun fact, my favorite actor is uh, the Scottish man, James McAvoy. Is Third he? fun fact. I had no idea. I know, right? It's shocking, I know. Third fun fact. He hosted SNL last night. His first time ever hosting SNL. Guys, it was so fun. He did a Mr. Tumnus skit. I watched That's that fun. this morning. <laughs> <gasps> Guys, and it's just like my favorite actor hosting one of my favorite shows for the first time. None of my favorite actors have ever hosted SNL. Like, if you look at like my like fave people, it's all like, you know, British... I mean Stevens Dan Stevens and Colin Firth haven't hosted Lily SNL. Rachel McAdams, okay, she's Canadian, but it's close enough. Rachel McAdams um, hasn't hosted SNL?
1: No. She huh. should have done so after Game Night because
2: she deserves it. Yeah. Agreed. So, it's like I've never had like my like fave fave celebrity host SNL until now, and it was just a very special moment for me because two of my favorite things colliding. And James McAvoy is really funny, you guys. I know he does a lot of, like, doing, like, the X-Men stuff and Split and, like, I have to admit his movie choices of late have not been very inspired. But... Are you saying that
1: Nomeo and Juliet... Wait, is he a Nomeo and Juliet?
2: Yeah. yeah. It, Nomeo and Nome Juliet
1: Nome. isn't inspired. He's in and Juliet and Sherlock Gnomes.
2: He is, Um, <laughs> unfortunately. And
0: he's in X-Men Apocalypse.
1: He's the one who says... No ship, Sherlock. (laughs)
0: uh yeah, Yeah, he um, needs to get a new agent.
2: It's it's been a rough couple years as a James McAvoy fan. Um, but he's great on SNL. He's so funny. I hope this puts him into more comedic roles because he is good at them, and I want to see him do them. Um, and I was just so happy to see two of my favorite things collide. So.
1: My favorite thing about the SNL, like, James McAvoy on SNL was just, like, him doing a variety of accents the entire time. Oh, my God. I was just, like, how many accents can we make James McAvoy
2: do? Many. Many. An accent. Um, and I always like hearing his, like, regular Scottish accent because, like, it's a lot thicker than people imagine because he mm-hmm. normally doesn't have his, like, full Scottish accent in movies. And I'm just, like, yep, listen to that Scottish accent. It's delightful. It's very thick. I love it. That Scottish brogue. Mm, Scottish brogues. Get me right in the heart. All right. So that's my really like James McAvoy, SNL.
1: <laughs> I don't know how I couldn't – I didn't predict that one immediately because it is just the – When, when Anya said her, your favorite she has
0: three favorite facts and then the first fact was that she really loves SNL, I knew, I knew exactly where yep. the second fact was I going. I knew
1: immediately. I was like, oh, of course. James McAvoy. Come on,
2: guys. You know me at all? <laughs>
1: um – My really like is kind of going to be a repeat from last week's just because this last episode of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend was so good, guys. Willoughby, I know you're not cut up, so I'm not going to get into spoilers, but it was basically every rom-com ever played straight and uh, with homage done to Aline Brosh McKenna's previous uh, screenplay films, uh, The Devil Wears Prada and 27 Dresses, two overt callbacks to it. And each of them were great. And it was, I, I know that Anya was already on the um, uh, Scott Michael Foster train before this. And I was kind of like, oh, he's fine, I guess. I like the, the development that Nathaniel goes through. But I w- didn't really care for his character. Now I get it, Anya. I get it. Do you? He was so good in this episode. Um, this was a Nathaniel-centric episode in which he kind of plays out his fantasy of wanting to get, to get Rebecca back. And in, so, in doing so, he imagines himself as the underdog in a romantic comedy. And he plays the romantic lead so well. Like, honestly, this could have been an hour-long audition for Scott Michael Foster to be in, like, every rom-com ever. Because I believed it and it. I loved it. Here for it. It was so fun. And just, like, the distillation of everything I love about the rom-com. Satirizing it, but at the same time, like, making a love letter to the genre at the same while. Well, doing that and in a sense like giving us this great character arc for a character that I hadn't really cared for but now I I, I really enjoyed it and um I get it Anya I get that
2: makes it. me happy yeah. I'm so glad it was so good was delightful
1: my favorite line from that episode was um Maya's line uh I never had a mother just a dead brother." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The show is so good <laughs> it's so good guys and I'm only i think we're about two-thirds of the way through the final season of crazy ex-girlfriend i know i miss it so much after this we're not gonna have any more musical tv shows to like rely on i was I just know, thinking I had about this, this and i had
2: gallivant i, had Galavant. I like, for a
1: while i was like riding high on musical television yeah i was well i was recently watching a ton of clips of crazy ex-girlfriend because that's the hole i'm in right now and um but, i got recommended a clip for gallivant i'm like wow I really loved Gallivant, and so I was kind of on a missing Gallivant, loving Crazy Ex-Girlfriend Miss um, vibe this weekend. It was so good. And Crazy Ex-Girlfriend
2: is so good, and I'm going to be so sad when it's gone. We deserve more smart, unique shows like this mm-hmm. instead of, you know, more like Chuck Laurie CBS nonsense. Yeah. Yep. So... I thought you were going to have a quip for that, Willoughby.
0: No, there's nothing I can say except <laughs> Bazinga.
2: I walked right into that one, and I regret yeah. everything. Um, Buzonga. That's going to wrap up our episode. If you guys have any thoughts on the two Fire Festival documentaries or Stardew Valley, Star Trek Discovery, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, or SNL, come chat with us. And where can they do that, Willoughby?
0: You can find us on Facebook if you search for us there. We're also on Twitter, at Falcon Podcast. Our blog is millennialfalconpodcast.wordpress.com. You can listen to us on SoundCloud, and you can listen, rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes and Google Play. And where can they find you guys on the internet?
2: You can find me, at Bui on Twitter. And you can find me, at Anya Crittenton, on Twitter.
0: And you can find me, at Willoughby Dobbs, on Twitter.
1: All right. Thanks for joining us, guys. Bye. Bye!